0: From The Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios, I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town, the podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. Streets of Your Town podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on whose land this story was gathered, the Yagara and Turrbal peoples. I acknowledge that for tens of thousands of years, First Nations people walked this country and shared stories on this great land down under, and I walk in their footsteps today. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Did you know that this fabulous indie podcast, written, produced and edited by The Wandering Journo in Brisbane, Australia, is about to tick over its 100th episode? Streets of Your Town wants to hear from you, my listeners from all around the world, and use your voice in the 100th Celebration episode. Have you got a favourite episode? A favourite interview that you would like to know where they are now? Or would you like to tell us what you love about this podcast and where you'd like it to go next? Please tape it on your phone and send it to me on email to stories at nancehaxton.com.au. Have you ever looked down at what you're wearing or into your wardrobe and wondered where those materials come from? Who made your outfit and at what cost to them compared to the cost you paid for it? Or pondered what the true cost of that bargain t-shirt is when fast fashion wastage is taken into account? These questions are what drives sustainability consultant Jane Milburn on her quest to get as many people as possible thinking about the way they dress and how to make better choices to become independent of fast fashion. She recently returned from her Churchill Fellowship travels through the US, UK and New Zealand and tells us on streets of your town how low-cost, unethical clothes are creating waste and pollution and contributing to modern-day slavery. She found one of the keys to disrupting the fashion system is through realising our power as consumers. And with applications for the next round of Churchill Fellowships due at the beginning of May, Jane is also encouraging us all to think about whether our passion could also take us on a trip around the world. Thank you for joining us on the streets of your town today, Jane. You've, of course, just come back from a wonderful. Churchill Fellowship expedition recently that we want to hear all about today. I think Churchill Fellowship is one of those interesting things that Australians hear a bit about but still maybe feel a bit removed on, don't understand exactly
1: what they're about. So it'll be really good to really explore that. You get to travel for up to two months overseas to research your favorite topic or what project you want and then you bring that back and share it with the australian people to you know to benefit society really so my particular project built on 10 years of work that i had been doing around slow clothing as the antidote to fast fashion we've realized the last two decades the whole clothing fashion cycle sped up and now we've actually got ultra fast fashion we've got online purchasing i don't understand how anybody could buy something that they haven't touched or felt or tried on but there we are that's the way it's done now
0: oh it sounds like it was almost the the churchill fellowship was the culmination of really a bit of a lifelong journey for you jane this started when you're quite young, your fascination with... With clothing really yeah. didn't
1: it? well I grew up on a sheep farm and so I've always had that awareness of natural fibers and mm-hmm. I studied I did an egg science degree so I, I, I sort of worked in rural communications for a long time but you know how it is in life as you you find your true purpose and your passion and your reason I did had the opportunity to do leadership study and I realized that the way that I deal with my clothes was different to you know this model that we were all being pushed to mm-hmm buying and tossing and so I just felt when the time was right I had to speak out about different ways and how we can become more involved with our wardrobe and the satisfaction that comes with that, the empowerment, the freedom from you know, ind- you know, being independent of the fashion cycle. So the great thing for me in doing my Churchill Fellowship is it affirmed my approach. I met people like me and really it comes down to the a leading researcher Professor Kate Fletcher who I met in the UK. She coined the term slow fashion 20 years ago and nothing much has changed over time, even though, you know, people are aware there's conversations happening, our behaviours haven't changed enough and it's become urgent. So her new body of work is called Earth Logic as opposed to growth logic, you know, ongoing, you know, mm. endless growth, which is just not sustainable. So Earth Logic, and I'm reading the little um, book that she gave me, it's it's um, the new learning that we need around it is grounded in the ethics of permaculture. Now I don't really? know if you know about permaculture. permaculture and clothes. Yeah. Where are you going? And uh, I mean, I was excited because when I won my Churchill Fellowship in 2019, mm. but because of COVID, oh, I couldn't travel. Yes. And in the meantime, I did a permaculture design course um, at Northeast Street City Farm. Great. Right. They, you know, there's opportunities to do them everywhere throughout Australia. And permaculture was actually developed 50 years ago by two Australians. Mm. And And um, it was in response originally to industrial agriculture, but you could almost argue now that it applies to, you know, it's a response that I talk about permaculture in the wardrobe now, you know, because they're just actions to reduce our impact and small and slow solutions, which is all about us being more hands on with our clothes. And that was what my Treasure Fellowship was about. So I felt it was a very circular thing and very rewarding. And it's just a slow burn for change, you know. Like, we kind of know we've got waste, and we, we've had people like Craig Roucastle and War on Waste show us the big pile. Yes, of clothes. the big balls of clothes, and <laughs> yeah, and and it's quite shocking. Mm. It's quite it is. shocking, and it's overwhelming. I think, Jane. Like, where do we start? Well, mm. you start with your own wardrobe, and just. Perhaps doing an audit, looking at what you've got, and Mm. and trying to extend the life of everything that you've got. Wear Mm. it until it's worn out. And really, the other thing that is was part of my early research. I could see in the shops that there was much more synthetic clothing than it ever been before. Jane, I was going to ask you
0: about that. You know, it's good actually, kind of to work through some of these issues with you because you want to try and do something, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who finds it's like, oh, but. you know this yeah. synthetic thing is so much cheaper and and all these yeah. things come into it but
1: so. but I, I guess it's it might be cheaper in the short term but yep. you actually think about the long term mm. and they also the thing with natural fibers a lot of people think oh i've got to iron it and all of that but now we just love the crush on linen you know it's actually wearing clothes in a different way mm. i wash them and i hang them up shake them and yes. hang them up you know and just wear them as they are because the body heat you Need to
0: be a slave to the iron no we don't thank so... goodness
1: for that <laughs> so <laughs> natural fibres are fabulous but mm. I guess when I started this work I couldn't I had to do my own research these graphs are available behind paywalls often but I did put, cobbled together my own that was in my book Slow Clothing which is available in libraries um, to read but you know I could then see that we'd gone from half half natural fibre synthetic two decades ago to now being two-thirds synthetic. Oh, you so notice the, that trend. You, so the mm. ethics around, you know, the way we dress, uh, we've had this big change, and of course we've got modern-day slavery. It's all behind mm. closed doors away in countries we don't see. Um, so we've got the slavery combined with the... Um, rise in synthetic fibers leading to more consumption and then we've got the waste and pollution which we saw in war on waste and also a loss of skills and knowledge and I think that's the big area that we can we can all take action in is getting regenerating our agency around clothes instead of thinking oh they know best oh I'll well, just go and buy that and, <laughs> you know, and then churn, tossing it out the door I mean all of that takes time mm. in, in in going and buying and then how do you get there is no way we think donating is useful and in some ways it is you know charities raise money from for good works from the resale options but you know there's a whole lot like only 10 to 15 percent of donated clothes in australia is sold as clothing in op shops you know the rest of it might become industrial rags up to 25 percent goes straight to landfill you know, that you donate. So you have to be careful about what you donate to not burden the charities. And then nearly half of it goes to overseas countries. Yes, I think that was something that I really did not realise until oh, I watched Wall Street. It's just the amount that we. offloaded there's some terrible visuals now becoming available of the way we're kind of dumping our excess over there mountains of clothes over there. yeah and and a lot of it's the synthetics you know it's polluting and to get back to your question Mm. about natural fiber they're more to me they're much more comfortable to wear they don't smell like synthetics do Mm. you know and i found when i was looking at this i found some research that shows with um, gym wear for example the cotton versus cotton polyester the cotton polyester retains the odors more so Absolutely. you know you've got apart from the fact that the fabric itself doesn't breathe it it sort of harbors the bacteria so Ooh. i mean i've got virtually no synthetics in my wardrobe the only ones would be my swimwear like you obviously need Ooh. that and raincoach you know like the, <laughs> there's things you can't avoid but even a lot of um baby toys and things like that are polyester Ooh. now so you know that's really concerning if because we realize now that the the synthetics are actually shedding microplastic particles dr mark brown was the researcher that found that out and you know this is influencing change as well but of course we can't have the volume of clothes that we currently have all natural fibers because we're already you know agriculture's Ooh. burdened and we need to have food production as well as natural fiber production in Australia that's cotton and wool and we need to value them so this all again gets back to us you know wearing the clothes for longer you know choosing natural fiber trying to buy quality and local if you can although that needs to be supported and nurtured our local industry because we've globalized so much it's it's
0: such a multi-factor kind of approach isn't it? I suppose and maybe that's something to remind ourselves that there's no quick fix but there's lots of little aspects we can do like like I think of Jane I think one of the first things how we managed to meet up was it made me feel so much less daggy that I mend some of my clothes the mm. whole mending it like it actually made me feel quite proud of the fact that I remembered how my grandmother taught me how to mend a few things it's not like I'm terribly good at it but I mean it does give your clothes extra life
1: oh it's fabulous and that's an action that gives you agency and makes you feel good and <laughs> I think now it, it is celebrated more but one of the things that I found very interesting about my Churchill Fellowship because I mean I'm thinking I wear secondhand clothes I sew I can still remember going on ABC radio talking about that to Rebecca Levingston yes. in 2013 and thinking <laughs> oh my god you know I'm going public with the fact that I'm op shop <laughs> but this is now quite totally acceptable and celebrated I think uh, yeah. which is cool and a lot of young people are doing it yeah, as well meet up but... with
0: girlfriends have a cup of coffee and go for a bit of an op shop
1: yeah Ooh. but the, the thing that I heard from a couple of different sources is that there's privilege associated with Men, wearing mended clothes, like being able to—you've got to have this. You've got to have the skills. Yep. You've got to, have, you know, know how to use needle and thread. You've got to be able to store your little mending stuff and True. not be moving around. You've got to be educated in the idea that this is actually a good, you know, like why we need to do it well, in terms of the whole climate change agenda and reducing waste and just reducing our whole burden on on the world. And there's also The confidence, the privilege is a confidence thing to wear that in public and wear it as a badge of honour, whereas I guess people who are less advantaged, Mm. you know, they might not want to look like they're Mm -hmm. poor in you know, like inverted commas. So I found that quite fascinating. There are some philosophical questions of privilege Mm. associated with the change that we need. Mm. And and also if you look at it some of the the very fast fashion shops like the clothing is so cheap it's sometimes, exactly sometimes it's cheaper than what you might find in an op shop and certainly cheaper than what you can do to buy the resources absolutely to make. and i find there's a lot of parallels with takeaway food yes. jane
0: that must totally. have struck you as well that totally takeaway food is so much cheaper on yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and you can see why Families that produce, yeah, it's mass produced. Yeah, that, that are under the yeah. pump would mm. be very tempted to go down that road, you know. So, I suppose it's taking a bit of the judgment out of it too in providing these solutions as well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I came up when I was thinking about this whole thing. Mm. I, I sort of came up with. 10 actions that we all can take oh, and right. it's actually thinking more even before you buy anything Ooh. thinking about how long am I going to have it like what was what's it made from you know looking at trying to buy ethical be informed about what you're purchasing rather than just buying and I tend to never I rarely buy on special Nance because Ooh. you know that's the cheap stu- that's the stuff they can't get ri- you know they're not selling Ooh. and that's why it's cheap to move it on to get the next lot in so you've got to love something and, and that's a key factor. So, thinking more, buying natural fibres wherever you can, and quality and trying to find local and just having a few like having less often you know I guess it's like the obesogenic society we're in mm. you know it's just more 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 but then you suddenly realize and we're kind of at that point now where oh my god we can't have more <laughs> so just having a few and working out what your signature style is like oh. what you want to wear and and gravitate to that so it's, it's choosing to have a few it's also caring for clothes and that's having those skills and the way we look after clothes is really important as well I think we often wash too much because we sort of think oh Mm. we've got to be clean so you know it's working out how you can get multiple wears out of your clothes and and having that daggy thing you change into when you get home you know instead of cooking a meal (laughs) in your better clothes you know just having something that doesn't matter if it gets a bit splattered and you might wash that often so you have your daggy home wears I don't know you know you're making me feel
0: much better about my approach to life <laughs>
1: um. And um, and then of course, like if, you, if you've got time to, or if you want to allocate time, we've actually all got time, yes. it's how we want to allocate it. That's and right. you know, there's, there's so many distractions for our time with television shows and that. Um, so it's making time. If, you, if you've got more time you want to, you can then get involved in making or adapting your clothes. Um, certainly thrifting is well worthwhile. And then ultimately, being able to compost your clothes and put them in the ground cut them up or use them in other ways certainly using them for rags is ideal i have a big stack of you know if i get really sick of clothes or whatever i think okay it's rag time for you and i'll cut them up and just and use them as semi-disposable cloths like I'll, i'll still like to wash them if I can but sometimes you know how things are really gunky or oily or fatty Mm. then I'll just use that in in place of paper towel you know because I I think well Mm. you know it's Mm. useful so I think it's actually just us being switched on to the things that we can do and taking a bit of time to reflect on how we deal with our clothes just like with with food, as you mentioned, you know, you can get all those pre manufactured, pre made food and even all the sources, whereas the other option is starting from scratch. And, and having a, a pantry. Cooking, <laughs> from, cooking from scratch, yeah. yes But it's interesting because all those things speak to privilege, yes. don't they? Yes. Um, yes. So I, that was a, um, a big insight. A revelation. For me. Yeah. Well, yeah. how did
0: you find other countries deal with that? Because I think this is where that intercultural aspect of the Churchill Fellowship is interesting, isn't it? And how. Uh, What did you learn on your travels? How did you decide where to go and what to learn here?
1: Well, I... I I did decide to go to countries that were equivalent to ours, so Mm -hmm. I I didn't go to any developing Mm -hmm. nations, partly because I guess I wanted, my learning was about, well, is there any more advanced knowledge anywhere else? And I have to say that I didn't find anything I kind of didn't really know, but it was very affirming meeting people who were taking action and speaking about it and trying to present a different different way and um you know one of the one my key recommendation is actually that we all need to know how to use a needle and thread like and just ways to share that like how how we can learn though
0: Jane I think a lot of people are daunted oh I didn't learn that when I was a kid so that's it
1: yeah, but it's actually not that hard. <laughs> like you just need to tie any sort of a knot, you know, get get a needle, get a thread and tie a knot in the end and then just do some running stitch. Like running stitch is fabulous and it's so easy. So I but I guess and the services and army and navy people, they learn all these skills because ah, it's actually about yeah. being resourceful and self-reliant. Mm. Yes. And I just think we're all so dependent. And Yes, if you're way... out on a
0: boat in the middle of the southern ocean, you can't really go and buy another shirt,
1: I suppose. Yeah, so. <laughs> and so so just using a needle and thread is a fabulous practice because buying a sewing machine and going down all that route, it's it's another whole level. And yes. I think it's great. And I don't do, do it. that. Yeah. You yeah, but see, the thing is, you don't need to. You, you can sew without a sewing machine. And people say, oh, like people who use a sewing machine are horrified when I start talking about hand sewing. But it's so portable. Yes. Um, you can pick it up and put it down. It's very adaptable. You know, you can manipulate, particularly if you're not that great. You can, And, and it's actually about just keeping going and doing more and making sure when you finish you tie a proper knot off as well so your your work doesn't unravel but when i was on my travels i i made two dresses by hand in fact what i'm wearing now is hand stitched so make sure we get a photo of that for our (laughs) listeners yes so it's really it's possible to do a lot with hand sewing and Mm. the other big um impact that I found was everyone who was engaged in their wardrobe spoke about the well-being aspects you know it made them feel good they you know they felt they had agency or they were empowered they could present themselves in a way they wanted to rather than just buying what was available Mm. or choosing what was available and wearing brands and all this sort of stuff you know you become your own personality if you can um, work with your own hands and and that is one of our needs you know like our, our sort of psychosocial needs is to be able to work with our hands and be creative have creative opportunities so being engaged in your wardrobe enables you to have that so you've kind of got these multi-layered benefits happening of being a little more close to what you wear and having you know regenerating your agency around that by getting skills and and a bit of knowledge you know about the fibers that you like wearing thinking about them and thinking about the colors that suit you and being able to gravitate to, to that rather than just accepting or following what's the so-called fashion of the day I know when I was a kid I used to be quite embarrassed if i had something that was
0: a bit mended on my clothes but you can wear it as a bit of a badge of honor now can't you and actually make a little design out of it yeah
1: it's celebrated now yeah and yeah that that goes to the privilege of what mm. I mentioned before but i think sewing patches on is fabulous as well mm. you know just so and it, it is a journey like yeah. each of us go on our own journey with this There's no formula. There's no magic way of doing it. No rules for us? No, no. (laughs) It's actually just thinking. And, like, I I often... At my talks, I'll say, well, just stop buying for a while. Look at what you've got in your wardrobe and do it. Do a bit of an audit. Like, which Ooh. ones am I always wearing and why am I gravitating to them? What is it about them? And when, when you've got skills to be able to reproduce or you can actually engage someone with the skills to do that for you, you know, there still are people that... Um, that can sew clothes yes. for you if you don't want to do it for yourself, um, and so it's just it's it's just sorting, stopping and sorting, and then disposing in a uh, responsible way what you don't want anymore. And you know, there's there's lots of different groups taking action that can help you with this once you decide to make a change. But as I said, everyone has to go on their own journey, and I don't lecture anyone about how to, it's just well think about what you might do there's so many ways to access that
0: knowledge now like you say I noticed you do a few classes Jane down the road here um, at um, Artisan Mm -hmm. and uh, we're just at West End today overlooking the beautiful Brisbane River but um, and YouTube I imagine will be a good place for people to start if they really just want or there were books i we should mention your Instagram that you showed on your travels and little photos from your travels and the books that you came across that
1: give you little tips on, on on mending or making your own clothes? Oh, there's heaps of books in the library now. And one of the people I met was Katrina Rodebau who's in upstate New York, and Katrina does beautiful mending on jeans, and she uses hand stitching. She's got a couple of books that I noticed for sale at GOMA. Um, oh, but they're, but I know they're also in Brisbane Library as well, and I, I really encourage people to use the library. I mean, you know, yeah. There's heaps, heaps of good books there. Or talk to Grandma, you know, or <laughs> someone else. You know, someone that's still got a bit of knowledge, and this workshops you can go to. Someone like Ministry of Handmade, they've actually got sewing adventures. They've kind of got a modular me pattern system because mm-hmm. they say often it's it's. getting the pattern right for your body shape and and your preferences is the hardest part of sewing. But all of those things are down the track. You know, there's lots that you can do just by being a better manager of your wardrobe. And What other places did you visit on your travels? Oh, San Francisco. I went, um, I met Sonia Phillip there, who's a, a fabulous person, who said she sewed her way out of a clothing desert, you know, because she was a larger woman as she said herself and she said that you know like she could only ever find this daggy black stuff you know to wear when going out was such an ordeal whereas now she is just such a great advertisement for independent individual styling and she's got also got a book called the act of sewing and it's just simple shapes and all natural fibers and the the showstopper is really the patterns in the fabric that and the way that she coordinates them but so I met Sonia in San Francisco and I also went to Fibre Shed, the Fibre Shed Learning Centre, so there uh, Rebecca Burgess is really into um Regenerative fibres and place-based fibres, you know, and natural fibres. So really returning to the grassroots, because that's ultimately what we need, and that's the permaculture system. Regenerative is just a permaculture in it, in another guise. You know, there's lots of different words for it, but regenerative, Mm. regenerative actions. You know, which is what I say about regenerating our agency in the wardrobe. And it it was Catherine Susie in London who gave me that term. We had lots of chats yeah. um, when we went to the v and another mending exhibition and how great is that there's an exhibition of mending oh yeah there was that's beautiful yeah 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 that's right <laughs> and then of course I went to Scotland the repair what you wear Ros Studd there has set this up so this is another free resource she set it up as right. a free resource that shows the five sort of mending techniques to, and she says with those when you learn those techniques you can fix 75 percent of your wardrobe and you can learn them in 90 minutes and she's actually got videos on repair what you to share that and she she talks about you know the intergenerational skill sharing which it really is isn't it and that's the thing we've had this gap where there's a loss of skills and knowledge Ooh. and so there's lots of different ways to fill that in and in New Zealand a couple of the people I saw there were really into restyling what you've got and Ooh. understanding that expressing your own creativity just through restyling what's already in your wardrobe just you know I guess they talk about mix and match you know and just pattern clash you know colour clash style clash like all of those things go now and young people are particularly good at that you know and it's a great way to explore what your style is you know what your personal style is Being brave. yeah that's Mm. right and unfortunately I didn't get into Japan I was planning to go there but The visa situation was. Oh, yes, they've only just opened up. What a shame. Yeah, but. Fortunately, I had been there a couple of years earlier, and so I'd learned there's there's a lot Mm. going on there with the sashiko stitching and, you know, just that decorative stitching on things. But really, that's just a fancy word for running stitch, which is going in Mm. and out and in and out with a needle, you know. Isn't
0: it interesting that it goes back
1: to really basic? Across these
0: cultures, there's, like you say, that common need to almost put our stamp on things, to use our hands, have that creativity to feel like what we own and what we wear says something about
1: us yeah and the other insight that i had was that in the past they used to have borrow stitching and borrow clothing with the linen farmer clothes were stitched together and and also after the war you know we had the make do and mend period because resources were scarce so that was make making do in the past whereas modern day making do is actually a a response to excess you know so we can use what we've got and and we need to change it believe you me businesses are trying and a lot of them are saying oh yes we do and there's certainly some great ones uh small businesses but um there's so much greenwashing around this and this is another thing we've got to be really on guard against that Mm. yeah you know there's all there's no clothes to clothes recycling you know they talk about oh uh, you know clothes made from plastic bottles and everything but they can no longer be plastic bottles when they become clothes and then the clothes can't be recycled Mm -hmm. so it's a complex process to recycle and it's not coming anytime soon so you know we've got the chemical methods which are being explored mechanical methods of old where often wool was turned into shoddy you know so that's a mechanical shredding Uh process there's a bit of that goes on but mainly it goes down to mattress stuffing and things like that and of course it's got to be natural fibers and clean clean, you know and then there's um, uh, organic processes you know like at worm farms and so on and by design which is the good designers doing things but basically the practical actions that's where we come in, and we need to create the change. And so, that's all I, my fellowship is really about. How the technical title was, you know, how hands-on upcycling can help reduce textile waste and enhance well-being. And I think, you know, throughout it, all, I saw 55 people across the three wow. places that I visited. And, you know, it, it it really comes down to us, you know, being more thoughtful and taking whatever action is working for us at whatever time, because sometimes we've got more time available. And, you know, when you've got young children, it's a bit tricky to to find the time. But the other thing that I tended to do was, uh, personally, I I sort of sort out projects during the day when the light's good and then sometimes at night when you're watching TV or just chatting to people. Just having some some hand-stitched project on the go is really good. And also on the public transport you know if you've got time traveling you know you can be you can be and this a hand stitching a garment well it's so portable but um in all the travel that I did in public I only saw three people doing hand work around the doing, world yeah one was doing cross stitch one was knitting socks and there was myself using a needle and razor right, you know to make wow. a dress um so I found that you know that the phone's taken over so everyone's using the phone but I found that really instructive and a bit sad yes a bit sad and that there are alternatives to the phone (laughs) yeah um but it 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 highlighted to me the the how distant we are Mm. from from our clothes really
0: Mm. Oh, thank you, Jane. And I think, I suppose, we, to encourage people too to consider whatever their passion has been through life. We all have something that uh, that to consider doing a Churchill Fellowship, applying for that. Perhaps we we can have a look at your report online too to see how that how your travels ended up with with the report. But it's not an academic process. It's something we can all
1: consider. So yeah, and, I mean, that's obviously part of it. Your reporting mm. is your responsibility when you come back as a Fellow. And, um, yeah, they're all online at churchilltrust.com, And um, there's a fascinating array. Every year it's kind of, you know, it's just... I'm, I'm actually on the Fellows Committee now in Queensland. And, you know, the diversity is amazing. So there's really no limit on it. But you've just got to put together a good pitch and think about, you know their benefit to the Australian people and how you're gonna share things when you get back. So I guess, Nance, you've helped me with the sharing because I've been able to there talk about my, um, my Churchill findings and, and why we want to, might wanna get more involved with our wardrobes. Thank you
0: so much for joining
1: us today on Streets of Your Town, Jane. Uh, my pleasure, thank you for having me, Nance. Oh.
0: That was Jane Milburn for this episode of Streets of Your Town. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode, I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2 The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my Wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website s o y t